This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcode.com. Welcome back to the Short Code Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. As always, we're here to talk today about how you can obtain financial security through wise investments, the miracle of compound interest, and real estate. Joining me is my regular co-host, Victoria Rohova of the Rohova Investment Group. Hello, Victoria. Hello. What do you have to t- what do you, What do you have to tell us today about investments? Literally nothing. Oh, come on. <laughs> um, I would not Surely invest in Bitcoin. I guess. Sure. <laughs> that's that's very wise. Uh, right now, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> This is the short code podcast where we talk about things that medical students go through and think about and and uh, silly imaginings from my brain. Uh, joining me today are uh, actually Hillary O'Brien, hi guys, aka Victoria Rahova. We have Mackenzie Walhoff. Hey. Uh, we have Eric Neller. Hey, what's up, people? And Rob Humble has deigned to join us. Good afternoon. Um. I have a listener question. Let's just jump right in. None of this nonsense about investments. Let's just jump right in. Where'd you come up with that name? Is that actually someone? I just made it up. Oh, yeah. Way to give me warning on that, too. Right? (laughs) She sounded financially literate, though, with that name. I have no no advice to give you on this. I have a great credit score. Thank you. Keep your your interest compounded. Financial illiteracy is the second worst kind of illiteracy. Yes. After illiteracy. After actual literacy. (laughs) Health literacy is not great either. Uh, yeah. Uh, listener question from Adi. Um, let's hear from her. I only just started listening to the Short Code podcast a Shame. few weeks ago. I love them so much. They're just so funny and pretty much brighten my spirits. And even when you all are messing around, it's still often thought-provoking. I'm a medical laboratory science student graduating in a couple months and hoping to go to med school in September. In your last episode, the subject of the lab test tubes came up and some students mentioned that they were color-coded so that the lab knew which instrument to put them on. I would just like to add that also the colors are indicative of what preservatives are in the tubes and what part of the specimen can be used, for example whether it's serum or whole blood or plasma. I find that most medical students and physicians I've talked to, which is admittedly not a large sample, don't seem to have a good working knowledge of lab science. How much lab medicine is included in your curriculum and what aspects of it are included? Thanks. Please keep up the good work. We will give it our best shot. Keeping up that good work. Um, Yeah, and I guess a corollary to that question is how much do you need I mean, you like once you're actually a physician, how much lab science do you actually need? But uh, what do you guys learn about lab science in med school? We got a span of years here. We've got M1s, we've got M2s, we've got M3s. Mm-hmm. I think they try to teach us what they think is going to be most applicable for us as clinicians in terms of 
they don't want us messing up because it ends up falling back on the lab a lot of times. So right now we just finished like our transfusion medicine mm -hmm. um, course or part of the course. Um, and some of the stuff in there was like, hey, most of the time when something bad happens, it's because you order the wrong blood. Don't do that. So, I mean, it's helpful, but not like elaborate into what goes on in the procedure. Yeah, I'm also in a M1 baby world. and yeah. um, <laughs> Baby world. Yeah, and they, it's just yeah, now they start to, to bring up a bunch of this like, kind of lab stuff. And, man, I, I do not really like it, but it is... <laughs> It is like important and like it is like they, they use that expression like you know you get shit in you get shit out where it's like uh, you know if you order the wrong test or you don't draw the blood correctly or whatever you're gonna get bad results so they gotta teach us these things to mm -hmm. like you know get us on track with it um, because it's kind of important tests so I, I'm, I'm glad they, they're showing us a little bit at least like so. Yeah, so we have lectures on some lab medicine in M1 year, and then during our surgery OB guide block, we have, like I'm in the middle of surgery right now, we have some lab medicine lectures, which are basically exactly the same as the M1 ones, so they just like hit mm -hmm. you over the head with it, but they give us like the basic knowledge of like what color test tubes are most likely to be drawn for most common things, like what are some common like artifactual errors that like could happen like especially concerning potassium for example like if you have some sort of cell lysis your potassium is going to be sky high like what are some things that could cause that so then if you see like a incredibly high potassium you don't get all concerned that they're going to start having heart trouble or something just more artifactual error from the lab and i think my biggest thing i took away from both the m1 lectures and the m2 lectures has been don't be afraid to call the lab if you don't know what you mm. want to order like that was just like number one my like most important thing to know shame you for like not knowing no i feel like they get stupid questions all the time okay. but they'd rather have not you yet. like call and ask and get it right than like huh that's get cool i didn't test. know we could call them yeah <laughs> they don't they don't have phones in like the a lab <laughs> well so, i think rob has some comments he's going into as pathology. a former lab employee i love getting phone calls because that means that you don't have to call them back and make them redraw the blood when they do it wrong oh. um I think we yeah we get we get a, a foundation with the lab medicine stuff, but I think we could do better than we're doing. Yeah, Adi, you should totally uh, apply to medical school after you finish your MLS degree. I know people that have done that, and I think it gives you a great background. Um, I actually spent an entire summer um, on the different colored tubes, like it was, so. Like uh, the, the, we did a project like looking at how often like people drew the rainbow, and at how oh. often things got thrown away. So the rainbow is like all the tubes. Yeah, like the rainbow, like that, all the when they draw colors. the rainbow, they draw all the different colored tubes so they can run everything they need to. And we found that like the vast majority of tubes that are drawn, like when you draw the rainbow, don't get used for anything. Great article if you want to read it. What journal? It's in JAMA Internal Medicine. Okay, I'll look it up. The rainbow of extra tubes. Wasteful or useful practice? Question mark. <laughs> what a great title. <laughs> Love it. But... I don't know. We, I mean, we we get the basics. Yeah, I feel like there's just so little time to fit everything that we need to learn in yeah, that, right. like, they give us a good foundation for it, and I think that's like lab medicine is something that we'll get more knowledge from, like, actually having to order the tests and experiencing mm -hmm. it, and that's more of a residency thing than a med student thing. Well, and they're getting really good at like the lab caps portions, or I don't know how much you guys had of it, but we have quite mm -hmm. a bit of the lab caps. And when I say by lab caps, I mean we basically, they're giving us a patient. It's all computer simulated. 
Um, they give us the presentation and then we have to decide what tests we want to order. Um, and then we submit it and kind of go through the process and we get feedback on how our kind of path mm-hmm. compares to experts and then how much ours costs compared to, you know, what a typical cost looks like. So I'd say like that's probably, so we're more on the ordering the yeah. labs part right now in terms of learning what tests do what, <laughs> I guess. But I mean, it's not like we're spending a lot of time in a lab, not practicing doing the tests ourselves because that's not something yeah. I'd say 95% of us are ever going to have to do. It's there- all still pretty conceptual for us. So Yeah. There is one thing that we do in M1 year that I really enjoyed, and that was touring, like, the lab. Um, It just gave me a whole sense of, like, what actually goes on. Because usually, like, before that, I was kind of like, oh, well, yeah, the blood goes there. And, like, it goes to, like, it gets tests. I don't know. It just happens. And the numbers appear in Epic. (laughs) And then you actually, like, we got to tour and see like the conveyor belts and like of just little They have conveyor belts? It's so cool. It's all, it's so much of it's automated. The robot archiver. Mm -hmm. Oh, yep. Mm -hmm. They used to break a lot when we first got it. Oh, what a good story. It was was a good story. (laughs) I love it up there. It's a great place. Everybody listening should be pathologists. Rob wants to be a pathologist. (laughs) It's it's his plan. If you're really interested in um, laboratory type medicine like that and pathology, we do, there is like at Iowa, at least there's a one year externship for pathology. If you at least want to spend a year doing that kind of stuff. And then maybe go into it or just have that background knowledge. Yeah, a lot of people that end up doing it don't actually end up doing pathology, but they come out with a lot more knowledge than those that don't. It's a solid <laughs> plug. Yes. Good work. So there you go. And of course, there's, you know, you can always get into bench lab research. Yes. Um, you know, sort of in addition to your usual studies, if that's what you want. Eric doesn't look at all interested in that. No, but. It's valuable. That's actually a good idea. If if you can do anything that's like kind of lab based, I, I recommend it. <laughs> Your face didn't look very recommended. Well, <laughs> it's not for Eric. It's not, not for, for it's not Eric work, but it could be other people's work. <laughs> Fair enough. Our last episode, Adi, I'm sorry, it wasn't our last episode where we talked about this. I just want to make that clear. I I did have too many questions to fit in last episode. The first time that this has ever happened. Um. We're becoming too too popular. Too many listener questions. Anyway, so I'm glad we finally got to it. Our last episode was, in fact, um, about what med students are taught about how to deal with unwanted sexual attention from patients. And uh, must have hit a bit of a a bit of a a nerve um, Mm -hmm. because I, you know, got a lot of likes and things like that on the social medias, (laughs) Um, including from. Uh, on Instagram, Natural Classroom, who is an ED crisis worker, and she had this to say. It's gotten to where I refuse to see patients who have a history of sexually inappropriate behavior toward medical staff. I told the psychiatrist he needed to come do the eval on a patient last week because being aggressively masturbated at is outside of my scope of practice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, uncomfy. Yeah. That, uh, sorry that, uh, that happens or that has happened to you. Um, but yeah. And our friend, uh, Terrell Jackson from the health science for everyone podcast commented on Facebook report early and often. I couldn't agree more personally. Um, I, I guess the reason like, so this might've been in response to, um, to, 
Casey saying, you know, she didn't, she was nervous to report it because she didn't know, you know, what would happen to that report and how it would affect her uh, evaluations and things like that. Um, Because, you know, I think as med students, sometimes you never know what's going to, what's going to uh, adversely affect your um, time here at the, in, in medical school. Um, you know, so will it end up backfiring on you? Will evaluators retaliate? I mean, I can't say that they won't. Um, or they'll say, you know, something like, well, you know, you can't handle it. At the end of every uh, rotation here, we do, uh, we have, we do an evaluation of the clerkship itself. Yeah. And there is a, there's an opportunity to say like, if you observed mistreatment, if you were mistreated, whether by like faculty, staff, residents, by a patient. And so, I mean, there are those mechanisms in place and we're lucky to be at a school where that feedback is taken very seriously mm-hmm. and acted on. But I think in the moment it, it would be really hard and difficult to address. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like the form at the end of the clerkships too, like I personally feel like that's a good place for if we feel mistreated by like staff mm-hmm. or if, like faculty or residents. I don't necessarily feel like that's a good place where I'm going to write like all about like this one patient who mm. mistreated mm. me. I th- feel like that's more of a like, this just happened. Who do I need to talk to? Because like, this isn't okay. Yeah. And like, I don't know who, like if I was mistreated by a patient, like the listener, like that talked about the ER. Um, I don't know who I would talk to about that. Like, I don't know what avenues there are to like bring it to light, I guess. Mm. But, like, staff and faculty or residents, like, I for sure know that, like, if I report mistreatment by one of them, something will happen. Well, like, if I report it from a patient, I don't necessarily know what will happen. I would say, personally, I would say, I mean, we talked about a lot of this at, in that episode. Go back and listen to it if you haven't, because I, it, it felt like a good episode to me. Um, you know, uh, I would say... You know, go into that, go into the situation knowing your rights as a medical student. Try to find out before something like that happens. Because I think for many women, it will happen. If not now, mm-hmm. someday in your future. Um, and probably for some men too. And try to find out what happens to you when, what the reaction from your med school leadership would be if, you know, you get in trouble for something like that. Um, just find out. You know, investigate that. I would say talk to your admission. I, you know, when you're applying to a medical school, talk to the admission staff. Find out what mechanisms are in place, if there are any. Um, and, uh, you know, just ask the question. You don't have to even do it with your name attached. I mean, you know, borrow your friend's cell phone and contact the admission staff and mm-hmm. say, you know, <laughs> so I'm researching your school. Um, I'm considering applying. Um and I want to know about these situations. You know, what happens when I, you know, what happens when a student gets in trouble? What happens when, um, the, what happens when I'm not doing especially well in a class and I need help? What, what avenues are in place? Um, you know, raise a few situations that might be difficult for a medical student. I wouldn't do this during your interview. Um, that, would <laughs> yeah. be the, that would be the wrong time. Yeah. <laughs> um, y- you know. You're the answers you get from that, I mean, if if there's, you know, hesitation, if there's, you know, well, I don't know, you know, if there's all that kind of stuff. The admission staff are paid to know these things, um, at least here at Iowa they are. So, you know, if they don't know the answer or if they don't want to find the answer for you, 
then that might say something, I would think. Maybe you could actually bring it up in the interview a little bit. Kind of like shows a weird kind of like mindfulness. Like, yeah, I actually asked our admission staff about it, and they <laughs> they. In fact, my first thing I was the first thing I was going to say is, well, you should bring it up during your admissions interview. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, yeah, I don't know if you should, because number one, um, the here anyway, the people who often staff those um, interviews may not necessarily be MDs in the first place. That's a good point, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, they may be PhDs, um, uh, and so they might not be directly connected to that clinical yeah. experience, which is, which is, and so. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, that was my first, <laughs> my first bad thought on that. Yeah, don't, don't yeah. talk, don't ask these questions during your interview. Save that for a so, second look there. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, maybe that's, a, that's another good place. <laughs> Um, in that show, we also talked about the California restaurant that adopted a simple system of color coding that removed managers removed from managers the burden of trying to figure out what to do if a waiter reports bad behavior from customers and requiring managers to take a specific action on getting the report. A specific action, right? Um, so I was talking about I was uh, talking to Megan McVansel, our learning communities coordinator or director today, and about that. Uh, that conversation and she pointed out that this might also be a good system to use to talk about situations where you are being racially discriminated against as a provider um, mm. in the uh, in the clinics something I think this whole color coding system might have some legs might it needs to be adjusted but anyway um, I'm glad people responded well to last week's show and if you have stories that you do want to tell hit us up on the social medias or on the email or on the the uh the the telephone line 347 short ct okay god you guys are like silent i had to wake up very early today dave <laughs> i am on surgery how early did you much. have to wake up 4 45 oh that's early <laughs> wait you had to be here at five Oh, I thought I was kind of thinking surgery was going to be even I mean, earlier than that. So I had to be like, here by like five fifteen. It depends on what service you're on. Okay, too. I think like, uh, who was I talking to? Erin. I think it was Erin. She was saying she had to be here a couple mornings at like by four. Mm -hmm. Like, oh great, I'm looking forward to that. Going to purposefully not put Jeez, the surgery rotation in January. I think Peds on Tuesdays is like obnoxiously uh, early, and then EGS. When is I, just I did EGS, early. and we would I would come in between like four forty-five and yeah. five every day. Is there a reason peds might be so early in particular, or is it just um, scheduling? So specifically on Tuesdays, they round on all of their patients on the list. So this meant students had to come in early and collect all the numbers for all the patients. Yeah. But like on other days, it'll be more sporadic about the patients they're seeing that day. So how do you manage like sleep and exercise and life with like surgery rotations? There is currently no exercise happening except for stairs. In the hospital, woo, lots of, them. <laughs> lots of stairs. Um, I mean, sleep. So I'm on transplant right now, which isn't like a good example because we are very hit or miss. Like my first week, like my hours were probably like seven to three, so like super easy. But then this last week, we've just been hit with a lot of transplants. So I was here until like two a.m. one night, came in at like four a.m. a different day. Like it just depends. On the day for transplant, you could so. fit the gym in there. 
I could have gone like yeah, this. Two okay, hours, Eric, yeah, okay, Eric. Okay. We'll great. see how Thanks, you feel Eric. when you're <laughs> I'm put a reminder on my phone to ask you a year from now your feelings on that. I feel like Eric's actually pretty good at balancing his time. He's been going down I mean, he's in the military and they keep taking you've been down to Florida how many times this semester oh, wow. already? Yeah, I get I get pulled out a lot. Um but, but I, I'm sure it's like not oh, yeah. compared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. At least it's not like farther north. Um or Missouri, apparently. <laughs> Eric <laughs> hates Missouri. <laughs> Eric hates Missouri. <laughs> We just I, lost all our. Research. I know, because I, I would have to explain why, but I won't. Apparently, it's in the middle suck, of woods. Suck it up, Missouri. Um, <laughs> Ooh, there are some feelings but, there. But uh, yeah, I, like I, I'm probably a little busier than some people. I don't feel like not as busy as like you guys are, though. So, um, it is kind of cool to hear that, like. Well, it's not cool because it actually makes me sad and like kind of scared that you know I'm not gonna be able to go to like workout and stuff as much i mean it's, it's it's six weeks of your life yeah yeah and are the rest of the rotations just not as bad is it just surgery that's so like crazy hours it, it depends surgery yeah. is the, the it, one people talk about yeah okay. i would say you have longer hours on surgery just okay. but it's only compared okay. to the rest of them yeah like everybody you can do it you can yeah, do so anything for six but you also like make your priorities <laughs> like on so i'll be switching to the va service next and apparently the hours are better there so maybe i'll actually have time to work out you just find your priorities and that's what you stick to you might have to sacrifice a few things for six weeks yeah you'll plastic. be fine okay i get it. i get it yeah by especially the, yeah by the, by the end of egs i was significantly crankier and more sleep deprived but you're i mean you're like you do two teams for three weeks each so like you can be sleep deprived for that amount of time and survive just fine yeah. yeah sorry what's what's egs emergency general surgery oh, okay a wonderful learning service that has a lot of hours sounds That's really right. cool though it, it, it is cool sounds like you learn a lot yeah 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 pop quiz guys oh, oh man back to the uh, did not study yeah we just had a test <laughs> i have three weeks tough the day this is test. medical school you you never ends yes <laughs> dave i heard that we're supposed to be lifelong learners exactly <laughs> Exactly. Pop quiz. What do patients most often lie about during their physical exams? Alcohol. Yeah, alcohol. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. And tobacco. If they are taking their meds too. Well, yeah. There's a lot of that's things a, that that's the, a big the reefer, one. I think. The reefer. Yeah. There's a lot of things they lie about. But I think I feel like tobacco and alcohol for most people oh, would for be. Sure. Yeah. I so I don't know that qualify I, before I ask. Yeah. Just, just so you know, anything you say here is confidential and like we won't share with anybody else. We can't by law. And it, I think most of the time I get more honest answers, maybe not all the way, but. Huh. I'll remind you, I'm I, on transplant service right now. So they have a vested interest in saying that they do not drink any alcohol if they mm. in fact do drink alcohol because yeah, that eliminates them that. from the list. Yeah. I, no one tells the truth unless they don't actually smoke or drink. Um, well, this year, a company in Coralville, right next door to us in Iowa City, will begin selling a test that not only determines whether somebody smokes or drinks, or how many, but how many cigarettes and how many servings of alcohol a day they consume. Um, Behavioral, Behavioral Diagnostics LLC will start marketing the test to lawyers, employers, and insurance this spring, um, yeah. only because they're still working towards medical applications with the FDA. So, so you're saying this is not FDA approved? Not yet. <laughs> okay. Uh, it is a blood test. A finger stick provides the sample. Um, and uh, according to the company, lawyers could use it to, say, exonerate a spouse accused of heavy drinking in a child custody case. Or um, 
it could be used in, in drunk driving cases to determine if someone really has improved their drinking after, you know, maybe a year out from their OWI. Interesting. Um, something a breathalyzer can't do because they only measure alcohol present at the blood at the moment of the test. The company, here's, here's the thing. Company says it works by analyzing not blood alcohol content or nicotine content in the blood, but by analyzing epigenetic changes that come from alcohol or tobacco consumption. Okay, but what if you were a heavy drinker and then you quit? Those Normally, epigenetic changes stay around for quite a while. Yeah. I have so many what ifs. What if you eat something that like has wine cooked in it? Like, but would if you just did it once? I mean, would it? Like, what? I, what is the sensitivity your... and specificity of right. this? Have they published anything about it? Like, sounds a little sketchy. I I think it could yeah. be. It could be like I feel like, like you mentioned, lawyers would probably be in for it. I feel like the other group of people that maybe would be interested would be people who are trying to quit, and it's just another way to like. They can take my blood and they can actually find out and it's just more motivation to make sure I really don't drink Accountability. Don't smoke or okay. yeah. yeah. Like what else could cause it to have like a false negative? Yeah. Too. Or like I wonder concerning. like if you're someone that like drinks like a glass of wine a day versus a person that drinks only one day a week, but he drinks, you know, like two six packs. Like Yeah. Well they mm-hmm. that, I mean they're drinking. claiming that they can tell you how many drinks and how many ciggies. And also it makes me uncomfy that fact that they think they could use this information in a court of law to like for like parental battles too when like yeah, we're right, not even right. comfortable using it in the medical setting I yet. Know. like i'm it's spotty uncomfy. Yeah. i mean let's point out that that uh dna used in a court of law is actually um that you know in recent years we've discovered that it's actually less cut and dried than we once thought it was um you know, everything from, you know, our underlying assumptions about what DNA means mm-hmm. to, to, you know, problems with laboratories, problems with FBI training and all that kind of stuff. These have all been in the news in the last few years. So this is a, sounds like a pretty complex thing that they're trying to use to determine this relatively simple measure. How many drinks, how many cigarettes? Um, well, they're local. We could ask. Uh, we could ask for a uh, for a quote from from them at some point. Their CEO and founder is affiliated with the university. That's right. Really, Robert mm-hmm. Philibert. Interesting. He uh, is concerned. Is in, in fairness, uh, the company founder is his name is Dr. Robert Philibert, and he is concerned that the technology might be used to deny health care. Oh yeah. Uh, to those who smoke or drink, but he says he is interested in making sure these tests are used beneficently. Beneficently. Is that the right word? It seems like insurance would love it. And that by owning the patents, by owning the patents, he and his partners can control how they're used. Oh, okay. Mm. Um, Well, yeah, I mean, if health insurance can, if you can get a cut on your health insurance versus if health insurance is going to punish you. And it's interesting the fact that they're bringing up, like they're putting on the market the test for alcohol and for cigarettes at the same time, too. Like, I feel like one should be separate from the other. Mm-hmm. They're not like, I can't yeah, actually, think of the word right now, but they're not yeah, attached to the You're head. not looking for the same things. Yeah, actually, maybe, I mean, they could be, uh, they could be different tests. Well, we already have, we do I don't have know a from nicotine the test. That I, I don't already. know if it'll tell you how many cigarettes you have, but we have a nicotine test that we already use in the lab. The the article I, I read, and, and, again, and again, this would be great to have a conversation with this, uh, this doctor. Um, from what I read, you know, other tests basically have a, narrow window of what they can measure in terms of you know when something was consumed right. mm-hmm. um whether it's a blood test or a breath test so yeah um, right. 
Well, I mean, it could be cool, but I'm skeptical at this point. As you should be. I just always assume it's going to be used for evil, like something like yeah. this. Same. Or... Anytime they bring up lawyers. Yeah. Well, no, it's... The next thing oh. is going to be, I'm going to be able to tell how much you exercise and how healthy you really are, and we can just deny you access <laughs> for that. I don't. I don't need a blood <laughs> test to tell <laughs> to show it's anybody a how, how. Yes. Or a mirror. Here's another. Here's a good invention, though. <laughs> the right to a physician-assisted death is a contested issue in many jurisdictions. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Euthanasia legal in several European countries and parts of the U.S., but you know, not everywhere. Regardless of jurisdiction, it's also debatable in the ethical sense, according to many. But recently. At a fair in Amsterdam, an Australian man named Philip Nitschke, I'm going to say, unveiled his invention, the sarco. Guess what that's short for? Sarcophagus? Yes, yeah, short Ooh. for sarcophagus. The sarco is a futuristic-looking pod. And here's how it works. After passing an online test to determine whether she is sane, the user gets an activation code that will work for 24 hours. They then... Can we employ this test down, like, in our psych wards and stuff? Just, the- you just take this test and we'll just... We don't, need a, we don't need any therapist anymore. This computer test will tell you if yes. you're okay or not. They then get in the pod, close the door, and enter the access code. Nitrogen fills the pod, and the users pass out and die. Um, they feel no more than just a little bit dizzy. Um, the pod, which is 3D printed, is designed to look as though the user is taking a journey to the great beyond. Um, he hopes to have a fully functional pod this year. He's not uh, trying to make money off of this or anything because he's going to open source the plans um, by the year 2019. How does how, how does he know that they only feel slight dizziness? Did well, you I, ask him? I don't, I don't know. Don't we know the know. effects of nitrogen, uh, yeah. a pure nitrogen yeah. axi- a- atmosphere? Just drift away. Mm, I'm conflicted. What an ethical dilemma. Yeah. Where's Loris Calchin? Have you guys have you guys talked about euthanasia yet in, in the ethics strand? Mm-mm. No, that's euthanasia. a good session. At least it was for our class. Yeah, like, it you, was. People feel strongly about it, and it's relatively a relatively new issue. In terms of where we are legally. No, I read this article. It's kind of it's it's just so weird looking, like this, the thing, the sarcophagus thing, because it's just this big, elaborate looking thing, and it looks like a little spaceship for something that I don't know. I mean, for countries that do do it, it's, it can just be a you know injection in your arm and in bed. It doesn't. He's trying to make it look like this. It's this super cool thing. It's just weird. Like here, check that. Look, he's pulling it up. Oh. See, just, like, okay. It looks like a bumper car. What, <laughs> why? Why so much for? Because the, you, they, they just take your dead body out of it when you. Oh yeah, die, who, right? who has like, to do that? Because it's supposed. To, like when I was reading about it, it's just something like you're supposed to go, go pick details, up. No. You're just supposed to go pick up your key, and then you like just check into the thing, and maybe it vaporizes you. And, and you come out in like the crumb tray, like a toaster. <laughs> like, oh, like dark. <laughs> the crumb tray. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> oh my. Can I just so Dave pulled up Sorry a picture for us listeners and I am just offended because on it it says meet the Elon Musk of assisted yeah, suicide. <laughs> and I love Elon Musk and I am like heartbroken that he his name is associated with this invention right now. I, I yeah, well I think Shout out to Laura Quast who also loves Elon. Yeah. <laughs> we know about Laura. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I think this is a, I, this industry because it's not an industry that is ready to be disrupted yet. So it just looks death. like something that's trying to like make death look like yeah, something like, for teenagers. Like, that's like yeah. what it looks like. It's all sciencey, and it's like and I'm trying to make it look cool. Yeah, I'm like kind of offended by it a little. Bit. Do, you think, like, do you really? I mean, you know, we we live in a in an, in an era when you know you eat Tide Pods for fun, but. 
Do you think teenagers look at that and be like, hey, you know what? You know what would be cool today? Is if I die. Yeah. I, <laughs> if I, I mean, if I was feeling suicidal, I'd be like, that's the way I want to go. Yeah. It looks oh, like okay. It. I see what you're getting at. And especially if they just have to take like a test to use this, usually with the assisted suicide, it's because you have some sort of incurable illness that you're giving up like treatment for the illness. Well, like this... There, I don't know. Like, is there a physician involved in this at all? That I don't even know if there's I, anybody nearby regulating who even enters it. I mean, you could break into the thing and you, just kill yourself. Yeah, do you just buy a 3D printer <laughs> and print this off? Corner. Like, I'm very confused. <laughs> well, it, it wouldn't be printable in a small 3D printer. but yeah. <laughs> Some assembly acquired. Yeah. I, well... This I, is an uncomfortable they, topic. I have used the word uncomfy too many times on this podcast today. <laughs> and this is also uncomfy. Uh, it's my goal to make uh, Hillary uncomfortable. Mm, see, I look Not at this thing goal. and it looks more like the future where I'm hoping to crawl in this thing. And then it can like teleport me somewhere else. And I'll like wake where up in happy. Florida. Yeah. yeah. Not where my body doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> or like it'll go on dark. a spaceship yeah. and you're like time travel or something. Yeah. Go to sleep. Work I'll wake on, up a thousand yeah. years later. Work on that. Nitschke. We have a different president. Nitschke, by the way, is a former physician. I don't know why he's not a current physician. Maybe he's retired. But maybe, maybe, maybe they had a problem with him inventing a death machine. Well, <laughs> maybe. It's <laughs> a good name for it. He does have a Wikipedia. He was, he was probably like recruiting volunteers at the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> there is a Wikipedia article about him. Maybe, maybe it. Uh, Maybe it says something about him. I didn't feel strongly enough to go and read about his whole life. But. Mm. You know, the trouble with the Sarko, of course, is that it is that is that bit with the sanity test, whereas we've also, mm-hmm. we are, we've already implied. I mean, you, you know, doctors don't always know what their patients want when they're right in front of them asking for things. Hmm. Never mind knowing if they're sane or not. <laughs> so to demonstrate this, I thought we'd play a game I'm calling Chief Complaint Translation. Oh, boy. Are we ready? The following chief complaints were taken from a thread on the Student Doctor Network on funny or weird chief complaints. Uh, Let's see if you can identify the problem based on the chief complaint. When I read one, feel free to discuss the possibilities, and then I'll give you the correct answer. We'll see who's right. All right. The patient says, Doc, I lost my nature. Uh, Sexual dysfunction? Hey! That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Is it funny if we all just agree on one? Or? Well, you know, it, perhaps you should perhaps you should argue for what it might not be. Um, I mean, other I mean, things on the differential. Other alternatives, right? What's the differential here? <laughs> I've lost my nature. I feel like it could also mean that you couldn't go to the bathroom, couldn't mm-hmm. pee. Yeah, or maybe lost control of. Yeah. Maybe he's incontinent. Yeah. Maybe okay. he's schizophrenic, and he's. Just, also just babbling just yeah some stuff going a lot on. of the chief complaints that were in this thread uh involved psych patients i i don't think i used any of them <laughs> just out of i don't know these are purely medical issues yeah yeah all right yeah you're right it's uh having trouble getting in maintaining, nice. maintaining interaction um next doc i have a herd of beavers in my pants uh herd of beavers some in sort of my, rash no, in my pants. Say, like crabs if it was crabs. Ooh, yeah, some sort of STD. But some maybe he's literally problems. got beavers in his pants. There's always throwing that out there. Maybe. That's a, I, I guess as a physician, you might want to check the obvious. <laughs> what what state are we in? <laughs> Missouri. <laughs> Missouri. Are we in Missouri? <laughs> 
Uh, Branson specifically. <laughs> yeah. Why uh, are we there? Is there a show? There's a show. <laughs> See the great Eric, the man with the beavers in his pants. <laughs> We can't go tonight. We're seeing the Irish tenors. <laughs> a herd of beavers in my pants. I've never been to Branson. Has anybody been to Branson? I have. Yeah? I haven't even heard of it. Times. It sounds like hell on earth, actually. It's actually beautiful. Am I wrong? Am I Like, wrong? actually, Missouri down in that area is very beautiful. It sounds like if you It's not took, like the rest of Missouri. If you took Ball of America and, oh. like, squeezed it down to its essence, it would oh. be Branson, Missouri. Oh, really? No, it's, like, big. It's just, it's really spread around. And there's, like... It's mostly old people, but there's like lots of things to do and there's stuff for kids and there's like little, it's kind of close to that amusement park area down there too. Oh, there's, okay. a of, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of vague description in there. When, when I was on family med yeah. it, uh, this past <laughs> fall, I swear like one out of every three patients was uh, an elderly patient who was just getting their checkup before they went to Branson for the winter. My grandparents went there this winter. They went to see some Christmas show. They raved about it for quite a while everybody was excited about it so yeah. it seems like a nice place i think it's, I think it's nice because i think it's it's a place where i think a lot of elderly people can get out and then like get together with each other and all have a good time and they're all retired and they've got money and they're free to do whatever the hell they Hang want on just a second they just make retired. fun of young kids are you telling me that that the old folks from iowa go to branson missouri for the winter that's probably like some, my, some of them wait where did you do your family med uh webster city at van Dees family medical center i would highly <laughs> recommend it <laughs> My grandparents stopped there on their way, like further south. I just, you know, usually people go to like Florida or someplace. Yeah, like warm. Arizona. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was never some of those of too, but like everybody was going to Branson. Okay. I've never heard of that. What? Okay. What? 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 What was the Beavers? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We haven't gotten the Beavers. Razor burn. I don't know. Yeah. I I think you you were. Was it a herpes simplex? Yeah, you're heading in the right direction. Candida groin infection. Oh. oh. Yeah. Why Beavers? Why beavers? A little chewing, like it, like, like oh, oh, chewing on your oh, self. Gross. Heard of beaver. Patient huh. says, "There's a vine growing out of my Jenny." Oh man, he's wrong. Some like, sort of fungal infection. Some sort of worm. Oh. Vaginal candidiasis. Vine growing. Vine grown out of my Jenny. All of these, by the all the ones I picked, not coincidentally, you know, are focused on the nether regions. <laughs> I think I Take mean, a nap on that Yeah well, Because people have trouble Talking about exactly. that region yeah, like Exactly Bad euphemisms Yeah, yeah. I don't know uh, Trichomonas No You guys are never Going to get this one You guys should keep really key. You guys got to reach You guys are going to Have to reach for this one uh, Are you looking it up On PubMed over there No I am taking care Of patients Like for rectal a minute, prolapse <laughs> <laughs> My resident tested no. me This is a male or female uh, female, but okay. like out of their so. genitals. Oh, Jenny, Jenny, like they named a part of their body, right? It could be short for genitals, though. Oh, I just figured that out. Oh, I just no, I assumed it was genitals. I okay, well, uh. you you were well ahead of me. Oh gosh, I had not no at idea. all surprising. <laughs> we need to standardize <laughs> our slang for body parts. Okay, so what? Where do vines come from? Trees. trees. Do they? Is that how they, vines work? They grow on trees, usually. I guess they grow over trees. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, well, the translation is I've put a potato in my vagina and oh, left it there and it has sprouted. My God. Classic PBA. <laughs> Standardized patient. Standardized patient. Here we come. That is disgusting. Traditional part of the third year curriculum here. Yeah. Wow. No, just kidding, everyone. I 
I don't have any words. I mean, what do you even do in that kind of situation? Like, if you were the physician, I would have to step out for a minute and just uh, laugh, I gather th- my composure. I think that happens. In. I think that happens. Like, hang on, I got to get my uh, superior. my superior. <laughs> I need to call psych. <laughs> oh dear, I got a rat in my hootie cat, and it keeps me from doing the natural. Uh. My hootie cat. I'm assuming this might be almost more literal. What, like an actual rat? <laughs> hey, I, I've heard stories of people shoving hamsters up their vaginas. So. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm with it. I say rat in the vagina. Is this like a normal thing that happens to normal people, or is this another potato, potato this, in the vagina? This could actually happen to anyone. Okay. Okay. <sighs> Male or female? Uh. Female. Okay. You're not. You're not gonna get this. No. You're not gonna get this. I don't know. A staple from a previous hysterectomy has eroded through my vaginal wall, leaving teeth like marks on my partner's penis. Oh. That's I mean, how interesting. How that works. What? Is so that like? It's like. Yeah, bites. but I'm yeah. like. Don't this? Do they leave the staples in? No, no, you sew it. I mean, sometimes. Yeah, there should not be staples unless it was like a clip that got left in there, and then it, it kind of like. Yeah, like yeah, that's something I. I yeah, can they don't of. actually use staples in a hysterectomy inside of you, but no. they might be have clipped an artery. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. So there's we have questions about that. Apparently, you know, this is what happens when you go to the forums, right? Missouri. Who hospital. knows if what they're oh, posting there is true. <laughs> All right, here's another one. Doc, I'm ass over tin cups. I'm flying like a frisbee. Probably in some sort of drug. Is this vertigo? Frisbee. Ass over could be. Tin cups. Could be. What is that? Meniere's disease? Mm, Something? Yeah. Where they get that vertigo? Yeah. I just feel like I'm being prompted. Like as soon as I hear the chief complain, so it's like, well, can you tell me a little bit more about that? And my nice open questions. Yes. <laughs> that's probably. <laughs> tell me more about your uh, ass over the tin cups. A good idea. Uh-huh. And so far as you can remember, when was the last time you were ass over tin cups? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, Rob had it right. Oh, it was? It oh, is vertigo. Nice. Look at that. Wow. That was fun. Here's a, an expression I have not heard before. I fell off the roof. Did he literally fall off the roof? That's a valid question, but he did not. Darn. It's like falling off or the wagon. She. That's what I was wondering. I don't want to give away the answer. Or she. Could be or she. Fell off the roof. I fell off the roof. Uh, hmm. I have no idea. Mm. Roofs are... Let me just, I'll, I'll say this. I'll give fell you a, off the wagon? Mm? Like I'll give you a hint. Started the ladies again? in the room may understand this more than the men. Oh, is Menopause. this like I fell on something and it went up somewhere? You know how people like you are a ex- not you have a naughty mind. No, hey, that is how people explain <laughs> somehow getting a light bulb like stuck up their ass. That's, they fell that's on true, it. Yeah. They fell on it. Is no, it no, no, this climbing is, the ladder without pants the on? Roof and oh man, this is much more. Uh, this is much more. This, this again could happen to any woman. But females primarily. Uh, I or would. Only I would say only females okay. unless there's a uh, an intersex situation. The roof. The roof. Fell off the roof. I can only fell think like menopause or age-related women breast things. related no no okay i don't know i didn't finish that tell us dave all right the the uh it's i experienced menstrual bleeding what what yeah 
apparently. Yeah. That's that a, one doesn't even make sense. Though. No. That's a thing. Fell off the roof, Doc. I've heard a lot of like ways to say you have your period, but that has never been one of them. Okay. Have you ever? So <laughs> Tina Fey's book, Bossy Pants. Mm-hmm. She read like she did the recording for the audiobook, and like there's this whole section about like achieving a menarche and and achieving she, menarche. That's 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 what she, that's how she phrases it. And she said like that she got this uh, like her mom had like this like pamphlet that was like a fun correspondence between these like fake friends, and so like they just had wonderful euphemisms like. I can't come because my aunt blood is in town. Oh, yeah. God. I mean, I've heard no. a lot of where like, oh, yeah, I have a friend coming like this weekend or something. So like other girls might like know kind of what it is oh, or like get an idea of it oh. or like my visitors coming soon. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. But oh, I love Tina Fey. She's hosting Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live soon. Oh, she? Mm-hmm. That's great. Awesome. My dookie balls ain't just ain't marching out. Yeah, Constipation. Constipation. Yeah, yeah, you got that one. That's dookie good. balls. This one's going to be a little harder. I have fireballs on my birth sack. Or I have fireballs in my Eucharist. Hmm. Eucharist. This may be, in fact, I'm pretty sure that this is a misunderstanding of a previous diagnosis. In my birth sack. <laughs> Something about how Rob just said, I know. my birth sack. I have no idea. Is there like an, I'm trying to think of Eucharist, if they heard something different yeah. or something. It like, I think that's Eucharist. it. I'm going to give, I'm going to give you that. I think that's. I, I can't think of anything Eucharist. that sounds like that though, right off my head. Is this like epididymitis? No. Yeah. I don't know if I would call my scrotum my birth sack. I mean, that's I where mean, yeah. it's like a material sack comes from. of things. Yeah. I mean, you only have so many sacks on the body, Dave. Yeah, but birth, I would think, would... Wait, we weren't birthed through the scrotum? (laughs) (laughs) I spaced off in anatomy. I don't know. (laughs) It's demoted back to M1. (laughs) I mean, is it some sort of, like, female STI? Like, birth Uh, sac, uterus, Actually, I don't know if this is caused by an STI or if it's just a thing that happens to ladies. Like, uterine prolapse? No, no. I mean, maybe like yeast, fire. Like pelvic yeast inflammatory fire. disease. Fireballs. Uh, Period. No, the, UTI. No, the uh, the translation is I have uterine fibroids. Oh, oh I'm pretty fireballs. sure they were told they have <laughs> uterine fibroids, I get and they it. interpreted it as I have fireballs in my birth sac. This <laughs> this last one is uh, another one of those. I have a painting of the four men of the valley in my heart. I have a Peyton for Ammon. Oh, you got it. Wow. Look at that. That one's a pretty easy one. Wait, I I didn't look that up. What is that? Mm, Oh, wow. (laughs) That was precious. The two of them deferred to each other. It's it's a hole between your left and your right atrium that's uh, persistent from fetal circulation. Most most people's closes within the first little while. It's not normally a big deal. Actually, quite a few people have one. Mm -hmm. Actually, actually, and they leave... it's there's a like a, and it's like the, there's like a percentage of the population that have one that yeah. are mm-hmm. asymptomatic. Well, and I think I think it's um in children under two, it's like like twenty ten twenty percent or something like that. It, it closes eventually, but if you listen to a kid, a lot of them have a slight murmur. Well, all right. See, this is this was not a complete waste of time. We learned something. Uh, I want to thank you guys for hanging out with me today. I really appreciate it. It's a nice way to end my week. Um, if you like what you heard today, listeners, 
please leave us a message at uh, 347-SHORT-CT or call us, I mean, uh, or email us at theshortcodes.gmail.com or reach out to us on the social medias. Uh, I'd love to hear from you as, as um, I hope I've proven in the past couple of days or past couple episodes, we really do enjoy hearing from our listeners. Uh, the show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox and our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week. <laughs> <laughs>